0: Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's podcast, the mindful maverick herself, Judith Germaine Jones, the show. We talk about the future of leadership, leading with artificial intelligence and even an army of robots, and all things Maverick Leadership. We at Elite High Performance specialize in building high-impact leaders that turn their teams into happy high performers who crush their goals. So if you're interested in that, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com for all your leadership development, high-performance leadership mindset, one-on-one coaching, DEI, psychological safety, Conflict management, keynote speaking, and more. That's elitehighperformance.com. And lastly, if you haven't yet, head on over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project. And please leave us a rating and review. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. So please do that. And please share the show with any leaders in your life. Everyone, Thank you so much for listening. And here's the episode with Judith Germain. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. And again, Susan is off today. It's She's prepping for the long weekend, so there's a lot going on there. So we're giving her a break. And I have an incredibly special guest, the ma- mindful maverick herself, The host of the Maverick Paradox podcast and also the Maverick Paradox magazine, Jude Germain is here with us. Judith, how are you?
1: I'm pretty good, thank you. I'm looking forward to today.
0: Yeah, me too. And we chopped it up on your show a few weeks ago, and, and now it's a pleasure to have you back on here. And so, obviously, I love to start these shows off with a quote, so I got one for us today. And it's from the Inuit Igjuggarjuk. So that, that's uh hopefully I didn't, I mean, I did butcher his name, but here it is. <laughs> and he says, the only true wisdom lives far from mankind, out in the great loneliness, and it can be reached only through suffering. Privation and suffering alone can open the mind of a man to all that is hidden to others. That is deep. It is, and maybe, what do you think about it?
1: You know what, it, it makes sense to me because the arrogance of man is that we have it all and we know it all. But when everything is stripped away, then you have to go deeper, and often that means going to a higher power, something outside of yourself to look for, to look for the wisdom and I think if you're not if you've never suffered, you don't really understand you know like in a basic way, like they say um, like with doctors, until the doctor's been sick, he doesn't understand what he's like. <laughs> you know and it's that thing isn't it it's if you if you have everything and you need nobody what are you actually learning
0: I love that and obviously it resonated with me you know my story as well is is I had the darkness of depression for a long time and it really was the reason for me to do the work on myself to evolve to the next level. And I don't think that ever, I mean, obviously the journey never ends, but it definitely was a huge catalyst for me. And it's something that we talk about on this show is turning that suffering into meaning. And so that's where we're going to start today. Now, we got to get into you, Jude. So, obviously, you're the mindful maverick. You have all these awesome things going on. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do?
1: Okay. So, I am considered the leading authority on Maverick Leadership for my sins. Um, Specialize in leadership, change, culture, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, I guess what I'm passionate about and what I do is I – I create clear thinking and decisive leaders. Um, and I do that through, oh, this hum- humongous toolbox that I have. <laughs> I'm very much an integrator going, you know, okay, this tool with that tool all oh, creates this interesting thing. So it could be consulting, C-suite mentoring, training, facilitation, um, all sorts of things. I think my real passion is about improving leadership capability and execution. and helping people to understand that every single person is a leader, whether you're sweeping the streets or whether you're the CEO, everybody is a leader and it's about bringing out that leadership and bringing it into collective impact.
0: And so what does leadership mean to you?
1: Would it if I said everything? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think quite often people say, uh, you know, you go to work and you put your leadership cloak on and like I am the leader. Whereas I think it's when you wake up in the morning and you put on your underwear that makes you the leader. That is your (laughs) leadership. It's so an integral part of who you are. That is the leadership. It's not the facade that you put on in the one place.
0: So what if you don't wear underwear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's even no. closer to you if you're going commando. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, I mean,
1: you don't even think about being a leader.
0: <laughs> oh there. yeah, it's definitely. Just, I totally agree with this. Right, it, it's part of just your who you are, who you become, and that's the thing I think folks really need to integrate with is is who are you as the self. And what are the properties that that self has, and and totally would recommend if you haven't listened to it yet, go back a few weeks in the podcast and you'll hear from Dr. Richard Schwartz and we talk about self and and internal family systems and he's an incredible guy. So we'll just leave it there. I love that one. It was it was the best. Now what I want to know about is what's a maverick leader?
1: Yeah. So. A maverick leader is someone who recognises that maverick leadership is about who you are so and what you do. So who are you? Are you congruent? Um, do you work with integrity? Are you trusted and trustworthy? Um, do you have competence and the track record of what you do? And I've got, you know, I love acronyms because that's my thing. So I say maverick leaders, they whine. So W is for the willful intention. H is for honest belief. I is for influential. And then N is for knowledgeable. Did you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> and E is for execution and output driven, and S is for success driven. So Maverick Leaders wines and it's a it's something that is innate, but, other, but you, can, you can learn how to, to use its capabilities.
0: I love that and you're you call yourself the mindful maverick. So what's how do you bring mindfulness into the maverick <laughs> leadership?
1: I think that for me mindful is in both of the common usages, right? So mindful in the sense of being purpose driven and being aware that everything that you do impacts on everything else. So you're a role model, you role model parenthood, you uh, had to be a partner, had to be a manager, had to be a follower, you role model this. So you're mindful of the impact that you make uh, moving forward. And I think the other thing is about the mindfulness about being present. So it's a bit of a dichotomy. So I talk about looking in the future, but also the other side of uh, mindfulness is being very present and very focused on the present.
0: And so you mentioned it, like looking into the future. What, how do you recommend leaders look into the future?
1: Oh, the best way to do that is I always talk about being pathologically curious, <laughs> I about <forgot> pathology, <laughs> in the sense that you are just eternally curious about absolutely everything. Um, and if you're going to be able to look into the future, you can't just look into areas that's in your specialism. You need to look at everything. be able to the only way that you can sense the the wind of change and be that canary is to is to start to listen to all the data points that you're picking up um so that would be the first point for me is being aware of what's happening and looking in areas other than your specialism so you can see what's happening and then being able to backward, backward comply it and forward proof it so i think that I know I follow all these dichotomies, but <laughs> that, that's the maverickness of it. But I always, whenever I produce something for a client or or even myself, I always make sure that I can future proof it as much as possible. So your building So if you can, if you can affect the way that people think, they will be thinking forward rather than trying to think from implementation tool. Um, for something that's the present. Yeah, not right. making any sense whatsoever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned the future um, of leadership and future proofing it is something we've had talking about on this show before with William Adams. Was this element of in the future, given that we're implementing a lot of AI, the future of leadership is very going to be very person centric. Like, what do you see as the future of leadership?
1: You know what? I have been pondering this for a long time because I have definitely got my eye on AI and machine learning. And it, and I'm sort of thinking, hmm, will I have a job in the future when
0: <laughs> these
1: AI, what would leadership look like? And I'm thinking that the le- it will become more about self-leadership and more about the break how you as an individual marshal your own resources bearing in mind you will not get a sense of identity through the work that you're doing Mm -hmm. so if you're not getting identity through the work that you're doing who are you if if the work that you're doing is no longer required and there's nothing similar how do you get paid so how do so how do you deal with that huge loss of identity and I think what makes it different is that Whereas in the past, low-skilled workers were, were replaced by the machine. Now it's routine work. But that could mean bookkeeping. That could mean uh, data processing. That could be teaching. Like there's countries that have got AI teaching children right now. So it's skilled work as well. And I think that's the shock. I think that's going to be the shock because there's a lot of people out there thinking I'm not. I'll be fine because I'm, you know, I'm an accountant or I'm a lawyer. Even like the data um, that lawyers have to pre-read that they'd get, you know, pupilish to do. Machines are doing that now. Um, I'm not sure, so I'm uncertain to exactly what it would mean in the future. But I think if you can get good at marshaling your your thoughts, be able to think independently, and to be able to uh, recognize the patterns of the past but really read the future you have a better chance of surviving as a leader because I think we're not going to be in a situation in the future where we're going to have loads of individuals who are reporting to us I can't see that happening
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say if you could marshal the your command of the robot army you would be <laughs> <laughs> the
1: thing is there is that But you won't need many people for that, yeah? Because the leader of the AI will be the programmer, right? It won't be the middle manager. It won't be the senior manager. You know, so it's a bit like if you think um, of a factory when you was making cars and you had all those workers and then they were all replaced with, like, three robots. It's (laughs) going to be the same thing. And if AI can program itself... How many programmers do you actually need? And we already know that with the programming, we already do not know what AI are doing when when they're reprogramming each other. You know, we've put two AI together and we said, talk to yourself and sort this out. And then the AI decided that English was no good and they made up their own language, (laughs) spoke to each other in their own language that no one could understand. And then they eventually turned the machines off because they didn't know what they were doing. Now that's we've, bit see, we've funny, seen this it?
0: movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that
0: I'm thinking,
1: oh no, it's gonna be Skynet.
0: Let's <laughs> <laughs> I want to dig a little bit further, right? Like you're talking about self-leadership and managing your own identity. And it's something that I see a lot of leaders have, is like, I am, and it used to be me, right? Like I talk about on the show, like when I first met Susan. She asked me, like, who are you? And I said, you know, I'm an engineer, I'm a water pole player, <laughs> and I'm an MIT graduate, right? And it's like, that's not you, that's your resume, that's what you've done. And so what does that identity piece like look for folks? Like how, how should they start breaking down who they are or separating who they are from what they do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be more far-reaching for at least our children's children, if not our own children. I think you have to start with values and beliefs and whether those values and beliefs are the ones that you have truly picked for yourself or whether someone has picked for you. And that's what I mean about marshalling your own resources. Because there are so many conformists who have an opinion on what they believe and what they value based on what somebody's told them is what they should do or what they've picked up from around themselves. So I think you need to, maybe the first separate, this is such a good conversation, maybe the first separation is being absolutely certain that you know who you are. I think it reminds me back when I was 20, I remember having a bit of a kind of a schism in myself when I suddenly realised that I was a different person, like a completely different person, depending on who I was with. So I was this person with my church friends and this person with my work friends and this person with my dance friends. And, and I got to the point of being completely lost. Who am I? And I thought if I had a party and they all came together, no one would get like they wouldn't get on with each other because There'd be no commonality. And I had to work back into who is this one identity and and making me behave slightly different in different scenarios rather than be different in each scenario. And that took a little while, but I was glad that I did it at 20 because I see people at 50 who have have not reached that point. So separating uh, yourself is probably the first point, making sure you know what you believe in and interrogate what you believe in. So find people that don't agree with you and have a conversation and see, and be willing to change your mind. I mean, I've noticed that a lot in my own podcast. I'll have a firm opinion or something. And then I, by the end of it, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're so right. Because <laughs> 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 you have to be that open to me. Have you, because you're not, you, you're only, you think you're right, but you might not be. And this is not about giving up. Deeply held beliefs. It's just going, I really, there's times on my podcast or somebody and I'll say, I don't like what you're saying and I really think you're wrong. But logically, following your argument, I can't hold that opinion because you seem like you're right and there's no flaws in your argument. Let me go away and <laughs> work that through. And quite often, there's something that i've held tightly to a belief system or or a thought on something and i don't want it to be pulled apart because i've really identified with that thing um but recognizing that enables me to be more certain of who i am because i can then go back or or sometimes it means by really thinking i've doubled down on my belief because i've gone actually now i know what's really troub- troubling me with your argument and this is why so yeah integrate yourself
0: <laughs> and that's the hard part right of the work it's and and it does sometimes it's it is extremely painful because yeah some of those beliefs are what you believe you are
1: yeah and you know what surround yourself with people that you know and trust that will tell you the truth I, I've got a lot of uh, mavericks around me who will t- give me a lot of hard truths and sometimes it's Really painful, but I know it comes from love and good intention, um, and I know they would expect the same from me. So there's sometimes when I'm really, sometimes I'll go to a particular person, and I'll be like, really don't want to talk to <laughs> because I know <laughs> it's going to be really painful. But I know I need to hear it. But it's kind of like I save them up, do you know, what I feel like I'm strong enough. To, okay, tell me what you think about this, and they're like. Oh and then i'll fight them and then i'll go away and come and then i'll
0: phone them up later again <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's a g- great point right is like it's so valuable to have these coaches or therapists or friends or mentors that are able to hold that space for you and i mm-hmm. often call them mirrors of truth
1: oh i like that
0: yeah because often i mean it's obviously our eyes only look outwards right and so it's so hard for us to see what is actually us. And, and you know what?
1: It's, yeah. Yeah. And if it's like the people I'm, because of that, they're all socialized fabrics. So they don't just go blah, blah. They're like, it's kind of, this is what I did, or how do I like this, or let's look into that. So it's not, you're not being condemned for a wrong viewpoint or wrong action. It's like, let me get in, let me come into the hole with you I've brought my own shovel and we'll figure a way to get you out, you know. And that's what I offer to people and that's what they offer to me. And I think that's the big difference because I'm not going for judgment. I'm like, this is this huge hole <laughs> or here's a small puddle. I don't know what to do. They're yeah. like, hang on the say, can you make room for me? I'm coming in too. And I think that's that's how I like to mentor. And I'm sure that's similar to what you do. And I, I think that makes such a difference because it, it enables people to be vulnerable, enables people to to trust what you've got to say and uh, really move forward um, in in short order.
0: I love that. And maybe, like, how do we get to a place or how do we find those people who will actually get in the pocket and rumble with us?
1: Oh, it's a good question. I write about this year in my book a little bit where socialised benefits or any maverick really, takes a long time to trust people. And if they have it, you know, in the sense that, and they test the trust. So here's a little bit of something. If you tell everybody about it, I can survive. I will be happy, but I can survive. I want to see what's going on. <laughs> you know, so it's sometimes people trust too quickly, or even if you feel like you, you totally trust somebody, you're still, you still will Test that trust, and it sounds like it's really manipulative. But I don't mean that. It's like it's a bit like when you delegate. When you delegate something to somebody, you'd be foolish to be delegating everything because you don't know how they will handle it. So you delegate what you can deal with the consequences of, and that's the same with trust. And I think, you know, if you're around somebody and they gossip about everybody else, well, you know they'll gossip about you. Um, if they, if they are narrow-minded. Or quick to judge, then they're not going to be the sort of people that you want around in your deepest times. If they're open with their, adv- you know, with their advice and it comes with good intention, then that brings them trust. But I think to think about it, I the very first thing is that you're looking for somebody who has the same values as you, because I think when you when you trust somebody with something deeply personal and they don't have your values then you are asking for trouble i think so i think it has to be a meeting of values and then a meeting of mindset and what your instincts are telling you
0: mhm yeah it's it's totally i mean it's it's absolutely the at least the values of like continuous improvement or getting better and and growth mindset and non judgment
1: I mean, does the person lift you up? Do you feel better after speaking with them, even if they've told you something you don't like? You know, if it, if that is the case, then they're the, the right people to be around you. Or do they? If you've told them something, do they use that against you in the future? If they do, they're not the right person for you. You know, it's that kind of, are they constantly reminding you of your last failure <laughs> from a non-loving position? <laughs> you know, um, you don't want them to be around you. I think, but the thing is, it's like, you. it's not as if you need a lot of the people either. And if you have no one around you yet, that's not the end of the world because you can do that for yourself. And as you become more open and trusted in yourself, those people will, will come, they'll turn up.
0: I totally yeah that I totally agree with and it's it's absolutely about sourcing the right few people cuz those people. are the the rocket fuel. And so what do you Jude what do you think about like those growth moments for people? Like how do people get on that journey and really start to make it move and themselves learn like put that rocket fuel on themselves.
1: You got to get uncomfortable because <laughs> there is no growth in the comfort, in the comfort zone. There is zero growth in the comfort zone. You're comfortable. You ain't growing. <laughs> um, I think if you're not used to throwing yourself out of the comfort zone on a regular basis, then start with something really, really small. So That you can go look, I tried this and it worked. I tried this and it worked. Um, even if it's something like I really want to learn another language, um, so I'm going to download Duolingo and you know, because I was rubbish at languages at school and I felt like I was an idiot, you know, that's still a tiny little move, but it could be quite significant in your confidence levels. So yeah i would say push yourself out there find even if it's a tiny thing um try that and when you're ready go to somebody you trust and ask them you know it's one of the one of the hardest questions could be rob what do you think i need to do to get me to do this (laughs) and then say to yourself if it's reasonable i'm going to do it you know it's a bit like prior to the lockdown i had pathological fear of going on camera which is bizarre because I can stand in front of a thousand people and do a talk right and no <laughs> problems put me in front of a camera I was like you know and uh, there was this guy here, uh, a good friend of mine called David Chislett and he said dude you just need to do it just just do it and I was like oh I'm scared and he goes I'll do it with you I was like, okay. I said you know what let's do a video series <laughs> with 12 videos so I just thought if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. So I was like, right, let's just do it. So we did a 12 video uh, series um together uh, and at, w- at one point we were recording maybe two or three videos a month to get through this series. So by the end of it I was just like, yeah' well, so cool. <laughs> but I was like the first time I sat down it, he was so good he didn't, like I know he was amused, but he wasn't like he was very encouraging and not laughing because I was a nervous wreck. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely stupid because I train, I talk, I do all this stuff. But I think it was the having the camera and not necessarily being able to see the reaction of the people was what I think was what was scaring me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a small thing to be frightened to go on camera, it's a silly thing. Um, and it annoyed me because I could logically go, this is stupid. This is actually stopping me from <laughs> growing because I cannot stand up face-to-face to everybody's in lockdown. I have to go on camera. So I got very pragmatic about it and said, right, okay, let's just do 12 and let's do it within three months. It was like, okay. And now I'm just like, yeah, cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, right? But it's, it's those things that seem trivial unlock some sort of learning opportunity. And often yeah. – it's not logical, right? What we believe about ourselves or what we believe about the world. And, and I think what you're getting at is like this sense of acceptance or rejection or belonging where you can't see them, therefore you're going to be rejected. And that's a very significant belief, right? But it's as you start to get out there, you can build the trust in yourself and see the results that you're getting. And I think it's just, something. Yeah. F- yeah, go ahead.
1: I'm not sure it was rejection. It's more that I work really well live. You know, I, I, you know, skiff off the, the buzz, the interaction and then not having one, which is what it was just like, Oh, how, how do I, you know, it's almost like if you tell a joke, there's no one laughing because it's just <laughs> me on camera. So when it fall flat, cause I can't tell, you know, it's, it's that kind of uncertainty but it's the same way as if people are frightened of doing public speaking and, and for me it's like what's there to be frightened of so it, it's, it's all it's all relative isn't it really but it's also a case of who do you believe you are so you know having the maverick brand about pushing past comfort zones <laughs> and do, and just breaking the rules and doing it anyway and then I'm sitting there going I'm frightened to go on camera it's inconsistent you know, it, so I am not living who I am. and It got to a point where I was like getting quite a lot of cognitive dissonance about it and saying, man, that's rubbish. What kind of maverick won't go on camera? <laughs> <laughs> How stupid is that?
0: But it, but you're right, though, right? It's It's being and taking that as part of you. And so yeah. it's like, I am the maverick and this is what mavericks do. And that's the part that folks need to integrate with is like is when they start to see and construct their future leadership self it's like who is that person and then it's stepping into being that person and that's
1: yeah what holds us back because one of the things i do with with people is help them define the leadership identity and it's something that takes you know five and a half hours to look at the three aspects of who you are, and it's really action-led and quite innovative and a lot of fun. But, w- but once it's done, it becomes like a tuning fork. So it becomes something that you just do all the time um, in a reflective consciousness type of way. Um, so it's, So it keeps you on the straight and narrow, and as soon as you start doing something that is not in that identity, you feel it you start you feel uncomfortable, you know, because you it gets to the point you just go, this isn't this isn't right. And that can be a really great way of making sure you stick to the things that are right for you and you're putting your own identity and impact in the right places.
0: And so what are those three elements that you focus folks on?
1: Okay, so the first one is looking at like your leadership proposition, I call it. So you're a leader, so what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? And what are the, the processes that you do? So I strongly believe we all run processes all the time, but we don't actually know what they are, but they are guiding us. And if we don't do the, the processes that, we, that we're doing correctly, it won't work. So mine is strategize, innovate, execute. It doesn't matter if I'm at work or at home because any time I see any input, my first point is, What's the point? Why are we doing it? You know, I start strategizing. Then I go, oh, what kind of cool thing can make this happen better? And then I go, right, let's get it done. You know, I do it all the time. But knowing that's what I do really hones how I do the stuff and how I articulate it to people. Um, the next is the leadership impact. So what's the impact you're providing to people and how do you – nurture that and magnify that impact and then that gets integrated into the proposition and then the third one is looking at the talent so what is it that you are really good at you've always been really good at it and when you're not doing this thing uh you're failing so it's like your personal success strategy or your behavioral dna and when you integrate all of that together it's extremely powerful um people i've worked with, i've seen them get you know massive pay rises suddenly being uh, the impact has suddenly gone absolutely crazy. They, it's not about, yes, you become more confident because of it, but it's not concentrating on those behavioral things. It's concentrating on what is your identity and how do you make that identity work for you and others?
0: So how would you describe your identity?
1: I would say that I am a strategic innovator because I'm always dynamically focused, so it's always, its like somebody said to me the other day, the thing about you Judith, you're kaboom i went, what do you mean kaboom? It sounds like I'm <laughs> a toy story <laughs> It's just like everything is just pow, it's just, but it's nuanced you know what I mean, it's like the catalyst that starts it off and then watches it go, and I think my leadership identity is is what uh, you could say I've been called um SACNAV, the Maverick because we will get to the destination. we may have to reroute a few times, but we're getting there, you know <laughs> you're not lost on the process, we're just rerouting you know <laughs> taking a u turn here <laughs> <That's> really... <laughs> you know it's and that's where all the strategy innovation execution comes from, you know it's like I'm very much just saying where are we going when they go here? Okay, let's get here. Um, whereas I think a lot of times people are more concerned with the process of getting here so that when they hit an obstacle, they can't overcome it because it's like, ah. Uh, whereas I'm like, take a left. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, ain't it? And it's like having that. Um, somebody said to me, you're the calm in the chaos you know, it's like everybody else sees all this and I can see really, that's part of my leadership identity stuff. I can see really, really clearly the path when I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah It might be happening like this, but this, just do this and, and we'll get there. And I think that's, that's my identity, you know, we'll, we will get to the destination and we'll have a lot of fun doing it. Um, and obstacles are just, you know, curious things to, to walk over or jump over or crawl under, but, they're not stopping us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's an incredible gift to have. And I, I think what you're, you're showing is the difference between people knowing themselves as leaders and the people who are very much trying for control. Oh yeah. What can you control?
1: You know, that's, it's, it's what it's. That's why, that's why I ponder constantly, you know, is there, is there a need? It's like, Is the job that I do worthwhile in the sense of like, you know, in this, it's like, that's kind of what keeps me honest in a way. So, if there was a zombie apocalypse, or if there was a thing that happened and there's no more internet, right? So, there's no more Wi Fi, we're all back to cooking in the words, what's my purpose? Do you know what I mean? It's like, if you can't figure it out, I don't say I've totally figured it out yet, but I'm working on it then you're probably not doing the right thing, isn't it? It's like, and I'm thinking what I would probably do would be switching into the internal leadership more than the external. There'll still be external leadership because I think that will still be needed, but that whole kind of knowing what you do, because to be maverick and to stand out in a, a populistic kind of scenario is something that will be needed you know, um, so sounds, it sounds like I'm really weird and strange. But being pathologically curious is prethinking what you would do. You know, and I think if there are so many people, and I used to see it a lot when I was in corporate, who are doing jobs, that the jobs don't actually even need to exist. Do you know what I mean? It's just like I don't see the point of them. Um, and unfortunately, the people in the jobs often feel the same point, and that's why they're not engaged. And if you, and sometimes. It's the story of the job that's wrong. So, the job is really vitally important, but it's been left to seem like it's unimportant. A bit like, you know, the whole story about the stone, stone maker, you know, he's sitting there and he's going, I'm built, you know, I'm just putting the, the, the wall, and the other one saying, I'm building the cathedral. It's that sort of thing. It's like, what's the story we tell each other and what's the story we tell ourselves? Does that answer your question? I'm not too sure now.
0: <laughs> it does. It's funny, right? And it's, you're totally right. A lot of it is the framing of the job, but then it's also in, especially in huge corporations, there's a lot of jobs that are either redundant or they do things that are not really value added. It's sort of like you're, you're a cog in the process. And
1: yeah, but it, and it's not as if the person isn't needed. It's like one of the things I used to do when I was uh, head of HR organisations was be looking at the depth of the jobs and how you round them out to interest. If the job, if you could objectively look at the job and go, it's really boring, (laughs) boring." (laughs) objectively, then why would you get someone to do it? Do you know what I mean? There must be something that you can do to the job to make it. It might be, so one of the things I used to say um, in HR, there are certain things that are just... by saying HR, there are certain things that are just routine because, you you know, they work on a cycle. You know, So the things that have to happen to make sure people get paid have to happen, and they have to happen at a certain time. So let's lean out that process so it can just be done, and then we have all this extra time to do some cool stuff. So let's work out what's the cool stuff. Whereas some people go, oh, this process is what happens, All I do, oh, I'm a bit bored, so I'll make it take longer. <laughs> so that it fills up my time. was like, no, let's make it shorter so you have more time and then we can do some great fun stuff that you can get engaged with. So it's not about taking away the jobs that are routine because, the, you know, until the AI is ready, you know, you have to do them, but it doesn't have to take up your whole time, just some of your time.
0: I love that. And Jude, kind of going down the path of the future, What do you want your legacy as a leader to be? Mm.
1: If we had, if every single individual in the world was a maverick leader, then that'd be a great legacy because maverick leaders stand up for what they believe in. They break the rules that make no sense. They are working towards the greater good principle um, they are congruent and do what they say that they're going to do. And I think if we had politicians, <laughs> let's pick politicians. Why not? Who stood up there and what they told you was the the truth. And if it was, it might be a hard truth, right? But it, but you could believe what they had to say, and you knew that they were working to the greater good of the individual, the country, the world. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? And then if you could trickle that to every single relationship, whether it's a father to the child or, you know, the school teacher or the surgeon, you know, the world would be an amazing place. Um, so that would be my legacy to get as many people working for the
0: greater good um, in a way that congruent and ethical. I love that. We're totally in line there. And, It'd be nice if the politicians did even anything. I mean, that's another story. (laughs) And so obviously for everyone out there, Jude can be found. I mean, one is her podcast is available wherever this one is. So the Maintenance Paradox podcast. You can also check out her website, themaverickparadox.com. And obviously she's available on LinkedIn and we'll drop a bunch of those links in the podcast notes. Is there anywhere else that you'd want folks to follow you or is there anything that you want to promote?
1: Uh, just a, you can come follow me on the website, which is maverickparadox.co.uk. You can see there's a genuine theme that almost everything's called Maverick Paradox. Yeah, I guess I'm about to launch um, a group program for senior leaders that want to increase and amplify their leadership, leadership influence so that they can tackle real life challenges, uh, real life business challenges. So I'm about to launch that. Um, so if you if anybody's interested in going on the wait list for that, it's Judith at maverickparadox.com.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll drop your email in the podcast notes so people can go check that out. For us, obviously, subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. And we've just been listed on Amazon Music. So if you want to start your day off telling Alexa to play the podcast, <laughs> definitely you can do that. Um, also, for all our programs, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com and you can find us all there is Jude just to wrap up here is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with you are more powerful
1: than you know and how you use that power determines who you are as an individual
0: oh I love (laughs) that one that's an incredible one and for me I'd like to echo that statement and just say that it's all about how you perceive who you are. And it's what we've talked about this whole show is deconstructing the shoulds and the not use and the conditioning and the managers and the firefighters and all these parts of you that, weren't supporting your true big S self. And so once you find that big S self inside you, you're going to be all powerful and ready to rock and roll. Jude, thanks for joining us this week. No,
1: thank you so much, Rob. I don't believe you managed to get me to say all of this stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I have that effect on folks. So it, it's it's one of my superpowers. And, and actually, just a, a plug, um, I was on, obviously, the Maintenance Paradox podcast. So the Maverick Paradox. The, sorry, the, the Maverick Paradox podcast. And so if you're, you want to check that one out, it would have been a few weeks ago. You can head on over there and find my interview there and then also get sucked down the rabbit hole of all the other ones that... <laughs> that Jude's put out. So definitely check those out, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next week.